0: For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media.
1: This week's Lawn & Order Marathon winner is Pam Winters of Glendale, New York. Pam will win a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at Podcast.com.
2: I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is the season three finale of These Are Their Stories.
0: You think you know who did it, but you don't know who
1: did it. Law and order, lie and order, lie and order.
3: It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the F-N-O-G of police procedures, baby. lie and order, lie and order, lie and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their
0: stories. So-
2: Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, filling in for Kevin Flynn, who continues to nurse his voice after surgery. Each podcast, we break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today, we wrap up Season 3 of the Law & Order podcast. Now, this season, we've had some wild episodes and a metric ton of celebrity appearances. And we've had some wonderful guests to help us talk about them. We even sneaked in a live show and a state of the unit address. Today, we're going to be looking back at our best highlights, favorite rip from the headlines cases and our most WTF moments. It's going to be a lot of fun. But before we do that, let's ask our guests about their favorite law and order detective teams.
1: Favorite law and order detective
4: team. I'd
5: say Benson and
4: Stabler. Oh, easy, Benson Stabler.
5: It's Ice T
6: and uh, Munch. Yeah,
7: Fontana and Green. Gorn and Eames. I love Ice T. I mm-hmm. like him with anybody. Briscoe and Curtis. It's got to be Munch and It. Uh,
6: <laughs> it. 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 <laughs> it's the computer crimes guy.
8: Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with Gorn and Eames, and the reason why is because. <gasps> I find that if you take the story of criminal intent and turn it into a fever dream of some mental patient in a hospital someplace, <laughs> the whole show changes into something completely different.
1: I, I like Munch. Hey. <laughs> well,
5: I love Benson and Finn. I mean Iced tea and Merska. I love Gorn and Eames. Mm. And obviously I'm a Benson and Stabler girl. Um, I like Finn mm. and I mean, his partner's fine. But I like Finn.
9: (laughs) Lenny Briscoe and whoever's working with Lenny. But I really like Ed Green. I go Briscoe and
6: Green. Briscoe and Green is my favorite.
9: I like Briscoe and Green. I know. Mm
6: -hmm. I ultimately went with Briscoe and Green, which... I don't know if you hear that too often.
5: Logan and Briscoe. Mm. Oh,
6: no one said that
8: one. <laughs> you gotta go with uh, with with Logan and Briscoe. I feel like that's your classic. Chris Noth and uh, whoever's with Chris Noth.
7: Oh, good. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, then we
8: nailed it. Yeah.
9: <laughs> Come on, he's so
8: good, man. Look at that guy. Uh, he's like <laughs> you can't. You just can't avoid it. You got to admit that was a handsome man.
9: I mean, it's only Gore and Eames for me. Rich. Was it, was his name Richard Belzer. Is that his name? Um, I
8: like the um. Uh, what, what's her name uh, Marissa Hargitay character
1: my favorite detective um, is Mariska Haggerty because I like her hey, how do you say her name
6: <laughs> Hargitay Mariska Hargitay <laughs> okay
1: let me say whatever no. her name is you know what I'm going to say it's the lady with the hairstyle that I always want and that will never work on my hair
2: Now, if there's one thing we love about Law & Order, it's that the plots can get crazy. And we've had some fun shaking our heads about the nutty situations our favorite cops get themselves into. We're going to listen to some of our favorite WTF moments from season three of These Are Their Stories with Tara Ariano, Kelly Jones, and Sarah D. Bunting. But we start off with an instant classic with Kimberly from the Date with Dateline podcast.
6: So let's just talk about the big reveal.
9: Oh. You've been sleeping with your own daughter.
3: Uh, uh, uh.
6: Turner banged Haley's mom and he's been getting it in with his own daughter. I just got to say, those two don't even look alike.
7: Mm, yeah, that's true. But that's where we're going with realism on the show. It was they, they don't look alike. That's your issue. Yeah. Uh-huh. There was also like a weird,
2: like, we were supposed to believe that they'd been sleeping together before, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, why were all the quote, naughty pictures of her that were hidden in his piano bench? A, she was fully dressed in all of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the sexiest one, like, she was licking a lollipop. <laughs> yeah. Like, is that a thing? Like, that's a thing that you would have someone that you weren't sleeping with uh-huh. do.
6: Right. Well, I would just <laughs> say that probably incest is fine, but child pornography is a step too far.
2: Uh, I think this show crosses all of those. That unapologetically crosses all of them and then tries to convince us that like, oh, it's super common. Liv just knows about it and like tells us about the syndrome. Like, like she's talking about the way you cook a chicken and the temperature the oven should be. Like it's so matter of fact.
5: So how? Uh, it's called genetic sexual attraction when a father and daughter don't grow up in the same household and then they meet as adults it can happen i actually knew about the
7: syndrome did you guys not know about the syndrome
6: what is going on in your thanksgiving dinners (laughs)
7: She's been covering Dateline on her (laughs) podcast. Of course she knows about this. I am drawn to the weird, creepy, like, strange, my strange addiction type shows. So I've actually seen quite a few things on this syndrome.
6: Well, I don't think most of America did because everybody's um, sphincter muscles tightened (laughs) when they... it
1: It was one time,
0: one time, 17 years ago...
7: Anna?
9: So you want to talk about real? Yeah, it's real. Do the math.
6: When she said "do the math," we all did the math and yeah, freaked yeah. out. Yeah, let's talk about that minute though, because it—it it, obviously it's such a campy reveal, but it really built up to—I don't know. Did you
7: see that coming? No, not at all. I was the mom was acting kind of weird mm-hmm. and. She was acting weird about the teacher, so I kind of thought they had a thing. But then the dad was crying all the time too much. And I thought, there's something weird going on. But no, I did not see that coming. And just because I knew about the syndrome, I'd like to say I don't support it.
0: <laughs>
6: <laughs> You're not advocating for genetic sexual activity.
7: Uh, I'm so relieved
2: that you clarified that because that's what we were thinking.
6: <laughs> we get to the warehouse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the new hideout and Bushido is there with the buyer. Right. And he says, now I'm one of only 17 Gibbons left in the world. (laughs) And then the evil businessman says, soon to be 16. 16. Soon to be 16. <laughs> <laughs> My God. It just, first of all, why is it that nobody runs after this super villain with a million dollars in cash who wants to butcher an endangered species to make chopsticks out of his breastbone?
2: But, but better yeah. question is, why is Elliot there? Like, why is he allowed to be there? He's like, I'm assuming off duty, right? Like, he was probably like, um, don't, isn't it required that if you get shot, like, you're not allowed not to be there? Not if at work? you're
8: stabler. <laughs>
6: By the way, he got shot through the arm. It's like, I get a flu shot, and I'm like, I can't lift my arm. Yeah. But no, first of all, I'm going to hold up the binoculars for a really long time. Mm -hmm. That must have hurt. Yeah. Uh, But now I'm going to go chase this guy through this factory. And I always wonder, Tara, like these abandoned factories, who's been paying the electric bill so that when they come in, they can turn on all the machinery?
5: That's a really good question. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't even think of that, but you're right.
6: Yeah. So, of course, the handoff is actually the Gibbon is in the basketball.
2: I know. It's shocking.
6: And so when they they break it up, somebody I didn't see who it was, somebody grabbed the basketball and then dropped it down this the this the scaffolding into to Craig's waiting arms. Right. I just have to say, what would have happened if the basketball hit the floor and bounced once?
8: <laughs> uh-huh.
6: I mean I'm not into there animal would have been cruelty 16. obviously. It <laughs> would have been sixteen right then.
9: No chopsticks.
6: Now when she finds out that the real story behind the injection is this necrophilia fantasy. <laughs> Carmichael says, oh, gross. Oh, gross.
2: That is the best moment <laughs> I think of almost any episode that we have ever talked about on the show. And it is the reason why I love Abby Carmichael so much, because unlike all of the other scenes we get in the show where people are forced to watch sex tapes and nobody can ever watch. Nobody can ever look at the pornography, even though it's your job. Yes. She looks at it and she's basically our Greek chorus.
9: Ugh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> so great.
6: Yeah, she was all in until then David Duke showed his ass.
9: <laughs> but here's my question about these tapes, right? So they go to talk to Mrs. Stokes. And now like I think of, of Dr. Stokes as like the super creepy psychiatrist with like the gloves in the plants. But they go mm-hmm. to talk to his mm-hmm. wife and she's at a hotel for a week because she needed to get away from right. him. But she brought the VHS sex tapes with her? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <Yep. laughs>
6: I can't leave these lying around. <laughs> I might want some inspiration. That's right. How, how sexy is it to, like, watch a sex tape of your friend who's in a coma? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, wow. Aww. Now she's really not going to move. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, no. What the hell? I mean, the Morris and their friend. How, how do you know that the friends in your circle are in this?
2: <laughs> how do you ask the question <laughs> yeah. the first time? You're like,
6: uh, did anyone see that article in the New Yorker about necrophilia?
2: Mm-hmm. Anyone? Anyone? You're asking like a really important fundamental question that I think about all the time, but I usually think about it with regard to certain sports. Yeah. Like whenever we watch ski jumping in the Olympics, I'm like, how do you do that for the first time? Very carefully. <laughs> and this is just like that. It's like, how for the first time do you say to your wife, honey, I've got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pretend you're dead.
6: <laughs> yeah, you know, if you want to have sex with someone who just lies there, just wait till your 10th anniversary like the rest of us. Aww. Aww. So Eric Winton helps the investigation by turning on the sun. Yes. Uh, which is a classic <laughs> moment in television. Yes. Oh
1: my God. If the sun was shining. We could see which direction the house faces or go which side of the lake it's on.
0: So turn on the sun.
1: We've never done that before.
0: Olivia, we're a few miles away. Dutchess County cops are
6: already at the lake, but it's huge. They don't know where to start.
4: Just give me a minute. Turn the sun
5: on.
3: i about to seriously freak out five million people.
5: Do it.
6: So when he does this, it sounds like a Van de Graaff generator warming up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What is up with that
5: sound? That
2: happens every day, apparently, in
7: A.Y.
5: <laughs> yeah, because, um, you know, it's important to imitate the sun's natural hydraulic lift sound effects in the game. Great.
6: Punch it, Chewy. There's something
2: very, like, Truman Show about that moment, right? Where they, yes. they, do the, they, they do the sound, like, as if the lights are being turned on and taking everybody out of their fantasy world. And this fantasy world is supposed to be, supposed to be such a fantasy where you can just have, like, underage strip clubs and all this stuff. But then the topographical map of the lake, which is the recreation of the place that was a real place, looks exactly <laughs> as shitty and the same as like whatever shitty upstate New York lake he actually had this little cabin on. It's like, why would the lake look exactly the same? Why would the cabin look exactly the same?
6: How could Julian Cooper create it exactly the same? <laughs>
7: exactly. <laughs> do you know
6: do you know how many lakes there are in New York State? Seven thousand. <laughs> They get 7,400 lakes. All right. And once Chester and Finn get up there, 7,001. <laughs> oh, Chester Lake. Oh, God. Just go to Dutchess so County. Sorry. It'll all work
2: itself out. <laughs> the, 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 the continuing existence of the cabin is a real loose end in the story. Uh-huh. Because we do hear that uh, Lauren More. has been like working as a waitress to feed herself or whatever for 25 years. My question is... Who has been paying the property taxes on this cabin? (laughs) Who's been mowing the lawn? Who has been like going to town and like, you know, doing the water bill? Who's been like like, shoveling the snow? Who has been doing those things?
6: Well, and don't you eventually get if you're doing it, if you went and got a job so you could feed yourself and then like bills come and you're like, I guess I better pay those. Like, do you use your kidnapped name? (laughs) (laughs) What is it saying? You're (laughs) W4. Yeah.
2: VP platinum i I did i did like the the very helpful sign on the bed in the cabin that he made in the game where he put her name on the bed in a little placard
6: kind of arched like it was word art do you not remember her
2: her name is mac and cheese (laughs) we never do know who's going to pop up on law and order This season, we tried to focus on episodes that featured major guest stars like John Ritter, Robin Williams, and Julia Roberts, and before they were famous actors like Ellen Pompeo and John Slattery. Plus, we gave you an extra helping of Hey, It's That Guys and Girls. Now we'll hear from Laura Bricker, John Davenport, and Kimmy Smith, and we'll kick it off with our favorite Aussie, Vaya Pachos.
6: <laughs> we do have let's see, a hey it's that guy. Hey it's that guy. Can you name who played Dr. Arlen Reef?
9: Oh, I couldn't. I just thought it was another character actor.
0: <laughs> Someone is. you
6: recognize?
9: He is another character actor
2: and I oh oh it's um
0: This therapy is only used in extreme circumstances, but that does not mean it's dangerous if properly conducted.
2: Oh well oh, it's um uh Ken, is Ken something.
6: It's Ken Howard, Ken, the White
2: yeah, Shadow that's himself. Right. The White Shadow, that's right. That's right. What, that's right. Yes.
9: What's that? <laughs> <laughs> the White
6: Shadow was a, a drama in the early '80s. I think '70s. Where he maybe he played. He played a uh, basketball coach at a high school. An all-black high school. All black. Yeah. And so. <laughs> He was the white shadow. Like
7: dangerous minds. Yeah, basically, yes.
6: Basically, it was a lot of him uh, coaching and then like the shots of all the guys in like the group shower. Yeah. Like having their banter and right. soaping up.
2: Yes. It was basically like the
6: help. That probably hasn't aged very well either. <laughs> Just it calling was, it the white shadow.
2: <laughs> I'm going to look that up though. <laughs> it was like the help, but with basketball. Exactly. Look, he uh, he
6: played the father of a law and order alum in a television series. Any guess who we're talking about? He played the
2: father of a Law & Order alum in a television series. No. Tell me. Tell us.
6: He played Lieutenant Max Mm Cavanaugh, father to Jill Hennessy in Crossing Jordan. Oh, nobody watched that stupid show. Well, that's why it's not on, Rebecca. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, people did. It was actually on for quite a while, uh, uh, but like I did not watch it, for sure. We got that
9: over here, but I think it was between two other shows that I preferred to watch.
6: <laughs> <laughs> it was the padding show. This is yeah. A, exactly. Yeah, uh, Ken Howard also played Thomas Jefferson in the movie musical 1776, hmm. long before Lin-Manuel said, fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Who is playing the role of Paul Donatelli?
3: This last month or so, she's called me up on the phone at night, and we've talked and talked and... She's told me how, how lonely she is.
1: <gasps> He's the voice of the penguins of Madagascar. <laughs> that's how you recognize him? Oh my God.
6: Him? I get Laura. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is that really?
1: <laughs> that's really how what you know him from? Really? No, I don't. I, I actually looked him up because I knew you were going to ask me this. And I was like, who is this guy? He's got to be somebody. Um, so that's one of his big roles.
2: Mm-hmm. But the husband. No, it's not. The husband you're talking the about? Husband? Yeah, the husband? Yeah. Yeah. That's not his big role, Laura. He was in Modern Family.
6: The Modern Family the, for ten years, the, the Emmy most, Award winner <laughs> Ty Burrell. Burrell, the
2: most successful sitcom actor, arguably <laughs> since the year two thousand. Like, oh, on Penguins the most Madagascar, <laughs> on the most successful sitcom TV show of the century. But yeah, he's.
6: But you also recognize that uh, that old detective as the candlestick from Beauty and the Beast too, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, yes, yes, yes. I did.
9: Yep. It's our very special guest star.
6: Mr. Gary Busey.
5: Yay! Um, Wait, you're not going to do the
2: other very special guest here? Because there's two of them in this episode.
3: No,
6: no, no we're going to get
3: to our other special <laughs> guest star in a second. We We're walking uptown to get a taxi, and I had to go back to Nooners to take care of something. Take care of what? It has nothing to do with this. Why don't you let us be the judge of that, Mr. Vega?
6: Gary Busey, uh, who is famous for the Buddy Holly story, Point Break and Celebrity, celebrity rehab, rehab with Dr. Dr. Drew. His <laughs> greatest
2: performance of all time. Remember when he thought he was a counselor on Celebrity Rehab?
6: <laughs> he was just there to <laughs> help the other people.
2: <laughs> it's sad, but it's true.
6: Uh, Gary Busey is an interesting actor, John. But first of all, I just have to ask, are, are are you surprised he did not get an
8: Emmy nomination for this performance? Oh, just simply out of the, watching him fight looking into the camera every five seconds was enough to earn him something. Am I on? Am I on? Come on, GB, get it together. You just looked at the camera again. (laughs) GB. (laughs) Oh, you know he calls himself that. Yeah,
6: yeah. Okay, uh, Jabenga Akinabe is Amaro's priest.
8: Hmm. Maybe one lesson you can learn from this is why pride is a
6: sin. Anyone recognize him?
1: Nope. He looked familiar, but I couldn't place
6: it. He is the leather suit wearing pimp Larry Brown on The Deuce.
2: (laughs) Oh, oh, I like that. Oh, I cannot wait till that show comes back on. Yes. Mm -hmm.
6: Okay, we do see one person before they were famous.
1: Before they were famous. Who,
6: Who played Reverend Curtis Scott? Anyone know?
5: Leslie Odom Jr.
6: That's right. You can't stop and frisk anymore, so now you shoot to stop. Famous for originating Aaron Burr and Hamilton and responsible for your teenager singing "I Want to Be in the Room Where It Happens."
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
6: Okay, anyone recognize? Ready, teen number two. Teen number two. <laughs> Literally, teen number
5: two. <laughs> no,
6: no. We <laughs> didn't see nothing. That's. Uh, <laughs> That's Jeremiah Richard Kraft. He's now a series regular on Marvel's Luke Cage. He plays D.W. Griffith.
0: Mm hmm. Oh.
6: Now, anyone know who played Youssef Barry, the Zero Lines wheelchair rolling victim? <laughs>
7: <laughs> no. <laughs> they went they went to pains
2: for him to not have any lines. Like yeah. there were there were scenes where he could have had lines where they were like shh, shh, shh don't say anything.
6: That's right. He did it. <laughs> that 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 is Aubrey Joseph, who now plays Cloak in Marvel's Cloak and Dagger on Freeform.
9: Wow. Oh, oh, wow.
6: Yeah, now this wow. is where I would usually play a clip, but I can't. It's not you didn't say anything.
1: <laughs> well, he was very expressive with his eyes. That's right. He was, he I love was. love eye
2: acting. All right. Yeah.
6: Are you ready for this one? Last one. Who played grand juror number one?
2: <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> one of those eye rolling, <laughs> like
6: no. totally
9: earnest grand jurors? So the
6: one who got to ask the question. Oh,
9: the one who oh. was like, do you think it would have made a difference that night if you hadn't been drinking? Anyone know? I don't know.
6: That's Tina Fabrique. You know what her claim to fame is? What? She <laughs> <laughs> she, she sang the theme song to Reading Rainbow. Oh,
2: what? butterfly oh, in oh, the sky. Wow. That oh, one? I love yes. that. That's a good song. Oh, my God. It's a damn good song. She's got some pipes. She does. Okay.
6: But that's random <laughs> AF.
2: That's super random. <laughs> yeah. From the famous to the not-so-famous, we occasionally have a guest with a direct connection to an episode. We're going to hear now from Michelle Rubenstein, Carolyn
1: Payne, and Dan Taberski.
6: Now, Michelle, you have a personal connection to this particular episode. What is it?
1: Okay, so fun fact, I have only seen Law & Order SVU twice, hmm. once because my sister was on this particular episode and twice again to watch this episode for this special podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen any other Law & Order episodes or any really criminal shows. But yeah, my sister was an extra on this particular episode of SVO.
6: The pillow fight scene.
1: She Yeah, so she was in the pillow fight scene and she was in the Grand Central Station scene. She... You know, I gotta give her props, she's a go-getter. If you watch her in the Grand Central Station uh, scene, her route does not make sense, but you can tell she's <laughs> fighting to get on camera and same yeah and same thing with the pillow fight scene, she is just making her way. so she is right in front of that camera. and I had to bring her to the city that day for her to film this um this episode and I got really mad and I left her and abandoned her in the city. Wow,
6: uh, oh, was there a yeah. chance you could have been on this
1: episode? I don't think so. She was really snotty about it, but that's one of the reasons why I was like, screw you. Someone else can come pick you up. But I remember on the outskirts of being on um, like the outside of the pillow fight scene, I saw that happen, and I thought that was pretty cool. Huh.
6: So now you've established that you've only watched one episode, so we'll do it anyway. What's your favorite detective team? (laughs) You have a personal relationship with SVU, do you not?
4: Uh, I do. Yes. So uh, I am I am an actress and uh, several years back, I uh, got cast in an episode of SVU. Um, I know. And then my like one line got got cut. But uh, I am I am in a scene. I do have like a good yell in there where I get to yell at Cragen. But I had this (laughs) scene where I was in a bra with slut written across my chest as every Mm. every actress on that show ends up doing. Um, Seen it. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, anyway, we were filming outside like late at night, like, you know, downtown. And it was so cold. And in between takes, uh, Mariska Haggerty is so awesome in person. She actually took off her winter coat and like wrapped it around me uh, at one point. I know. Over
6: your slut bra. Over my
4: slut bra. (laughs) Yeah.
7: And
6: uh,
4: the director was like, all right, we're going to do like three more takes of this. And uh she could tell like I mean I was just freezing and and uh she was so sweet she like hit me on my butt to like pet me up to get me going so I have very fun I was so impressed with her because like she works incredibly long hours and uh you know I just had a very very small role and she was like so warm and she just has such great energy on set so she was exactly the Olivia Benson that I wanted her to be in real life you
6: got cut huh (laughs)
7: <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, and then I ended up on
4: a cutting room floor. But like uh, I said, I mean, I am in this scene with with uh, with and But uh, I hope you
6: got paid either way.
4: You do, you do. Okay. But I mean, Good. it's just not the same amount of glory. Well, you know
6: how this goes. I mean, you start off in the background in the gallery at the trial, and then you come back the next season as a member of the jury. Mm. And then maybe the next season you get to be a cop and maybe get one line. And if you're really lucky, you get to be a dead body.
8: Oh, yeah, man. I have a, a, a really good friend of mine was on it several times, and then he got bumped up to pedophile. He got to play a pedophile once.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. It was like, he Lucky was him. the
8: bad guy. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs>
7: wow.
8: Did he have a line? To, he he him, had many lines it, and it was super creepy. Uh, but now he gets a lot of work playing creepy people. <laughs> like, that's his gig. I
2: wonder if it was the episode we covered on the show with the guy with the glasses. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't Do you
8: know. remember what episode? Do I remember the number? Are you kidding me? No.
1: Which no, episode? No, like, I love how I'm judging.
8: I love how I'm, I just got <laughs> done watching 800 episodes of Cops and I'm judging you guys. I'm like, what? Fucking, <laughs> get a life, people.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
8: I do not. Do you remember, remember what happened in the story? Yeah. Guy, other than him
6: being a pedophile, that he. I, Get I, his in the end.
8: Uh, <laughs> I don't think. No, no pun intended. Yeah, yeah, that. Uh, yeah. I think he gets it, but it's sort of like it's sort of like borderline pedophile, which is what makes it weird. It's like the woman. She's like she's not like super young. She's like at a teenager, and so that's the sort of ambiguity of it. It's uncomfortable. Mm. I'm even uncomfortable talking about it. <laughs> I apologize. And you guys
2: are still friends, though, right? Very much so. Yeah,
8: he's a successful actor.
6: <laughs> well, you're not a successful actor in New York until you've been on Law and Order that's multiple
8: right. times. One. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you can't get on that show, it's it's over. That's right. Do You know, one time, one time, uh, a couple of years ago, I was walking down the street and I went to buy coffee from uh, from because they shoot in New York all the time. And I went to buy coffee from uh, from a coffee truck, you know, and I and I asked for the coffee. He gave it to me and I handed him money. He's like, oh, no, no, no. He's like, this is Craft Services. We're shooting Law and Order. And he, get, and then he, then he just, <laughs> I had no idea. He thought I was part of the crew. And I was like, thanks. And I took it and walked away. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. They're everywhere in New York. They're everywhere. York. <laughs> You're lucky to reach out and take it back.
6: I you know, know, that little Greek coffee mug. I, I know. just keep thinking
2: that like some doorman like, shows up for work and comes out and there's already a doorman there. And he's like, it's cool. I'm just playing the doorman in Law and Order. We're shooting in front of your building. Hand me your hose. I will hose off the sidewalk. Right. You go inside. We'll be done in 20
0: minutes. And then he's like, well, aren't you that pedophile? Right. <laughs> Chapter one, Wayfair welcomes you to the neighborhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waverhood, she said, where Wafer helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trin Center Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus. Hmm? You're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home.
2: On These Are Their Stories, we try to bring you a variety of guests. While not everyone has a badge or a law degree, we're sometimes surprised about what life experiences our guests have that tie into an episode. Now we'll hear from Dr. Marsha Chatlin and Sonia Missio. but first we start with some firsthand knowledge from sex columnist Simone Paget.
6: So forget that there's like actually no evidence that Jerry's ever been in this club. Yeah, they just decide, okay, we're gonna hoe down and we'll go in and have club. So that Jerry together. sent us. So the Jerry sent us and see what happened. Um, Nothing I think,
2: suspicious there.
6: This is really more for the fans, right? I mean, this is just so that the fans can have. A squee moment where the two of them are pretending to be and holding husband hands. and wife. Yeah, and going to a place where they probably will have sex in public with each other.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's 100% what it's about. It's not, And it's not suspicious at all when two people who are super fit and look like cops come in and order club
5: sodas. Not
2: suspicious at
7: <laughs>
5: all. I was going to say um, one thing I found really authentic about the club and like, the website um was from my experience these places always have like a list of things they offer and yeah. when staplers like sexuality workshops full bar and a nightly buffet remind me to steer clear of the finger foods i'm not going to touch the finger food um <laughs> <laughs> that's like to me seemed the most realistic because from my experience they always have like things like a list of things either on like the nightly activity board like Themed playrooms, tantric workshops, and then like water polo. Like one thing just <laughs> <laughs> doesn't match at all. And you're like, or is like strangely wholesome. And you're like, that's, that is weird. Finger
6: painting. Yes. Bingo. 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 <laughs> you can still make those dirty though.
2: Baked ziti. Yeah.
6: <laughs> can we talk about the room of dry humping? Oh my God. It's so uh, gross. Okay. So Simone, like you said, you have visited several swingers resorts yep. for professional reasons.
5: Is that what they look like (laughs) Um, (laughs) in that room? Yes, the rooms actually do look like that. Um, Really? Yeah. Variations, like anything from that to just like the resort I went to in Jamaica, which was basically just this hut at the back of the resort and you had to kick open the door because it was jammed and then it was just you walk in and it's just like a a room full of mattresses and a whole bunch of undulating bodies. Hashtag things I'll never unsee. Um, <laughs> but what I didn't find totally realistic is, from from my experience at least, is uh, the people actually in it. Those actually yeah. looked like people you might actually want to see naked.
6: But <laughs> <laughs> You never get that lucky in real life.
5: Yeah, it's it's more like the my friend who's a fellow journalist came up with the term that the dick you see is not the dick you want to see which is
6: pretty much like
7: <laughs>
5: i liked how it looked like all of the um it looked like they were like filming in a real champagne room at
2: a strip club or something with all those mm-hmm. like banquet you know seating mm-hmm. situations yep. i did like how they were all covered with like Terry cloth like slipcovers, they're very, <laughs> very convenient and very, very, I think, like nice, a nice detail for the swinging guests. I think there's a
6: lot of upholstery that would be uncomfortable,
2: <laughs> yeah. Naga high,
5: yeah,
6: you know, <laughs> I and mean, there's some leather, like if you're trying to like move around a little bit, ur- it ee, sticks, ur- yeah.
5: <laughs> My advice, if you ever go to one of those places, is like bring a scarf or hand towel and put it down on any surface before you like mm-hmm. touch it or. Make any contact.
6: Oh, right. You can wear it as a scarf.
9: Good advice. Because yeah. you don't have any
6: pockets. And then you can, oh, OK.
9: So here's what's super bananas about this entire plot. No one wants to be department chair. Department chair <laughs> yeah. is being like head counselor, but getting $4 for it. Literally, the department chair, I think that the person writing this episode might have like gone to college and misunderstood An endowed chair means you get a whole bunch of money and don't have to do anything. The department chair is like you have to make sure you've ordered enough quesadillas for the faculty meeting. You have to like (laughs) yell at students for not coming to work study. No one wants to be department chair. So like you would rather do time on behalf of a murder you didn't commit than have to sign up (laughs) to be department chair. So this episode, this is where I find the great joy of it. None of it makes sense. So I have a question. Was the lady? Professor's
7: name,
2: the one that Nicole Wallace is making. on? Fellows. All right, so she at one point is like she's vying for this job. And there's this whole like thing around department chair where like they get to go into the department chair office.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> How can the department chair office be any nicer than fellows, like twenty foot ceilinged, completely yeah. oak paneled suite of an office? Like where is she moving to that is better than the place she already is?
9: Apparently at Hudson, the department chair gets a palatial mansion. <laughs> I'm (laughs) not overlooking the Hudson. None of this makes sense. And the part of it that's really weird is that the department chair is elected by your colleagues. So the fact that this guy, upon his retirement, has to go on, like, this journey to find the next department chair, none of it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say one thing, Rebecca, about um, the whole, like, Jack and and, um, Claire not seeing the relationship? Totally. I have one of those things that I had a realization that I didn't know before. Three years ago, I realized Hudson University was not a real university.
6: (laughs) And I only
9: realized that because I tweeted something along the lines like, why does Hudson let them get away with using their name? Wouldn't they get just so much better? And everyone was just like, uh... Sonia is my new favorite person. <laughs> oh. The
2: Hudson thing, that's harder to discern. Like if you don't earn <laughs> from America, like how would you know that? Oh, because
6: Hudson is never in your March Madness bracket.
2: <laughs> Neither is Columbia, by the way.
9: FYI. <laughs> we are Hudson,
0: where the bad guys go to school.
9: There is a Hudson College in Toronto, which is the even better part. So I just was like, oh, oh. I don't know. Maybe it's some sort of sister school. It's where, it, it's
2: where the bad guys go to say, oh. these are their stories it may be a tv review podcast but we're a true crime podcast at heart each installment we dig into the true life story behind each week's crazy ass episode coming up are maureen mcmurray jessa nicholson and lonnie diane rich it's time for ripped from the headlines
1: you think you know who did it you think you know who did it but you don't know who
3: This episode is inspired by a bizarre fake kidnapping of a six-year-old Missouri boy by his family to teach him a lesson about stranger danger.
5: (laughs) Jesus!
3: The boy's aunt told his mother, Elizabeth Hupp, she thought the boy was being too nice to strangers. The mother enlisted the help of the aunt, the grandmother, and the aunt's co-worker to stage an abduction to teach him a lesson. Authorities say the co-worker convinced the boy to get into his truck. He took the child to the basement in Hupp's home where he bound his hands and feet. The boy was told he would never see his mummy again and would be sold into sexual slavery. After four hours, the boy was released and given to his family, who lectured him about how much worse it could have been if the kidnapping was real. The six-year-old boy told his teacher what had happened and the whole Surrey lot got arrested. Punishment for the mother, aunt and grandmother ranged from 60 days in jail to five years probation.
6: So, does anyone think they went too far?
5: <laughs> <laughs> and where is he now?
7: <laughs>
5: yes, I mean, yes, because they have. The, well, they had the different strokes episode. There was the one where it was Arnold and his friend went to the bike guy, the pedophile. Do you remember this? Yes, I remember yeah, yeah, the yeah. pedophile episode. Yeah. yeah, and they came in and they were like playing Tarzan or something with their shirts off. He was grooming them, and you knew it was like a very special episode. Of different strokes. And then I think Sam was, there was a kidnapping episode with Sam, yeah. the redhead. Yeah. Huh. There's like a whole 80s thing where there was always like stranger danger, they were teaching you something. Yeah.
6: And Nancy Reagan came on to say, just say no to drugs. Yes. And yeah. So, yeah, mom. So the sister says, yeah, your son is just too trusting. Hmm. Um, so, why do they have to tie the kid up to scare him?
2: Listen. I hear this whole thing, and I'm. I still feel guilty about the time that I like took the batteries out of one of my kids' like handheld game things, and I was like, "That's what happens when you play too long.
7: <laughs>
6: <laughs> it just
2: stops working." Like, I'm like, "That was a dick thing to do. That was nothing compared to this. Really, that's
5: not good." Like they said, it was imagine it was better than actually being kidnapped. I think that's questionable i think i'd I'd rather be real kidnapped than be kidnapped (laughs) by my real family
2: (laughs) (laughs) right honestly yeah because what does that say about your long-term prospects right i mean you have a chance of getting away from that kidnapper and having like a regular life but you don't have that chance when you have these fucked up people as your relatives. Extended family, too.
6: Yeah, and you're hoping to get rescued by them. You don't want to, like, suddenly come up and get lectured Exactly. About, oh, you thought that was bad. This
2: reminds me of those horrible, like, YouTube parents who play those jokes on their kids and then got, like, shut down. Like, this reminds me of this, of that, but so much worse.
6: Yeah, well, couldn't he, the guy just had, like, used a scary voice? <laughs> like, wouldn't that have been enough to, like, scare him a little yeah. bit? Yeah. Why do you got to, like, tie his head, like, you know, duct tape him to a post and then say, You're going into sexual slavery. He probably doesn't even know what sexual slavery means. (laughs)
5: He's like, what's sex?
3: (laughs) This episode was inspired by the bizarre Pizzagate incident in the waning days of the 2016 presidential election. Reading those hacked Democratic emails released by WikiLeaks, alt-right activists said they found coded messages for a child sex ring run by Hillary Clinton. Crackpots later connected the imaginary sex ring to a pizzeria in Washington, D.C., The falsehood was shared by nutters on extremist social media and spread by bots and foreign-operated sock puppet accounts. Owners and employees of the Comet Ping-Pong Pizzeria were subjected to threats as people claimed an order for cheese pizza was actually code for child sex. Things finally went balls up in December when a South Carolina man entered Comet Ping-Pong with an automatic rifle looking to investigate the story. Edgar Madison Welch fired three rounds in the restaurant before being nicked by the police. He later said he regretted shooting the gun but refused to admit the story was fake news. The Pizzagate story has been thoroughly debunked by dozens of reputable news organisations as a work of fiction. In January of this year, a fire was set in the bathroom of Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria. No arrests have been made yet. Crazy. (laughs)
9: Crazy.
3: There were a lot of
6: you know real cues from the story in the episode. Like there was no basement at all. The Comet Ping Pong for a sex ring to even be there. People did believe that there were coded messages about food that came out of John Podesta's emails. You know, ch- ch- yeah. cheese pizza was child prostitution. The employees there were also harassed, as well as other businesses in the neighborhood. And the, there's it's also a, a concert venue. So the the bands who played there were also targeted. Those bands include Heavy Breathing. And sex stains. Oh,
2: God. Wow, so sure. Bands, can't make that shit those up. Those bans
6: <laughs> did not really help end the controversy.
2: <laughs> the controversy, you mean. The controversy, yes.
6: <laughs> Believe it or not, Pizzagate was back in the news in Canada this month. Hmm. There was a, a conservative politician, and he was asked at a town hall meeting About money, the Canadian government donated to the Clinton Foundation that helped pay for the child sex ring, and the politician didn't correct him in this rambling (laughs) question.
2: He didn't say, "I don't know what you're talking about." He didn't
6: say, "Talk." He just he answered the question about you know about money and Prime Minister Trudeau and a lot of other politicians are like all over him. And the funny thing is, like this was so Canadian because the guy, his question was, he wanted to know. How can the taxpayers get that money back?
2: <laughs> How come we were never thanked? How come they never sent a thank you card for all the child sex stuff that
6: we, I absolutely know happened? What about, us? <laughs> what about
2: us? Why pizza and not Tim Hortons?
6: Yes, <laughs> we have perfectly good pizza. So Comet Ping Pong, it's a hipster pizzeria, concert venue. And Ping Pong Table Bar, two and a half stars out of four from the Washington Post. (laughs) And it was also featured on Guy Fieri's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. I want to know which is worse, being the target of this conspiracy or being praised by Guy Fieri? Ooh.
0: You
2: know the answer to that question, Kevin.
6: There's only one you can come back from.
9: Also, I mean- if you are maybe a child sex ring place, shouldn't you have at least three out of four stars? What's taking yeah. the ranking down there? Is the you know is it unhappy actual perverts that went and realized it was just a pizza place, or is yeah. it like ornery hipsters who are mad that they're you know now people know the name of their pizza joint?
6: Yeah, that's what it is. The Yelp reviews are horrible. <laughs> no child sex ring here. Zero out of ten would
3: not recommend.
7: <laughs> Sucks.
3: What's the real life case? It's Brett Kavanaugh, for Christ's sake. Could it be any clearer? What? Did you need PJ and Squee to make an appearance too? Jesus Christ. I thought the Michael Jackson ones were too obvious. Read a newspaper once in a while. It's Kavanaugh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty
6: obvious. (laughs) That was good.
2: Nice job, Cy. Nice job. Man, that is classic. Was was Cy like, how do I pronounce this name anyway? (laughs) Kavanaugh.
6: Everybody knows Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh. All right. Let's try to take away the confirmation politics sure. out of this, and Supreme mm-hmm. Court, and Democrat Republican, because it's a it's a a bigger, meatier issue to talk about. I think than just that politics, we can even right?
2: agree that the confirmation stuff isn't actually about politics, but uh, yeah. that's just All me. Right, yeah.
6: <laughs> yeah. Let's put this aside. And of course, when we talk about uh, uh, men and women and rape, uh, Kevin always comes out looking bad. So, right. So, <laughs> but let's have an honest conversation and just let me a little for a little bit. Be the devil's advocate and ask the questions. Oh,
2: good luck okay. with that. All right.
6: Because we can't have the conversation then if we don't do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. This seems to be a time of much self-reflection for men who are worried that what they thought was adolescent learning process about heavy petting may have actually been a crime. Mm. Is there some legitimacy to that, or do men just have to get the fuck over themselves?
2: Men just have to get the fuck over All themselves. Right. Next question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Uh,
5: Lana, you can have the next one. Yes. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah, if Rebecca takes them, my only answer is going to be, yeah, what she said.
7: Yeah, <laughs>
2: That's going to do it for us. You can follow me on Twitter at RebLavoy. You can follow Kevin at Kevin P. Flynn. And you can tweet to this podcast at Law and Pod, or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader is Cy Frader. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by the college bound Henry Lavoy. Promotions by sorority sister Lily Flynn. To get ad free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at StitcherPremium.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. copyright's fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. We'll be back in two weeks with Season 4. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media.
0: In in crime media. Chapter 1, Wayfair welcomes you to the Waverhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waverhood, she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle... Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home.